Hey guys, what's up? It is week 295, and first, before we start this, I want to say R.I.P. Ruggiero Diodato. Now, you guys know these are recorded ahead of time, so technically you'll be seeing this after he's passed for a few days, but Ruggiero Diodato is one of my top favorite horror directors. He directed two of my all-time favorites in um, Cannibal Holocaust and House on the Edge of the Park. I got to meet him at uh, Cinema Wasteland. He seemed very nice. He also directed such classics as, you know, Jungle Holocaust and Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. He had a, he had a good track record, a lot of good movies, Raiders of Atlantis, so R.I.P. Ruggiero Diodato. Um, to me, he made the best Italian film of all time. So, hey, I know it's, I know it's very subjective, but it is how I feel. Also, uh, here's some pictures from the Moreauville Mall. I ended up going with some friends, meeting up with JP and Carly as well from 22 Shots Crew, the podcast, and uh, we had a great time. We reenacted a couple of Dawn of the Dead pictures. As you can tell, I, looked the, I was bossing everybody around. And I made the mistake of looking the wrong way as Steven. But, uh, yeah, anyways, it was a great time. Uh, we kind of visited Pittsburgh a little bit. Unfortunately, a Wednesday, Pittsburgh is not the, the hopping place that we thought it would be. But, uh, you know, uh, the Monroeville Mall was fun. We got to eat at, like, a local restaurant called Pickers from where JP and Carly are at. And that was pretty good. So uh, the funniest thing is all the time, like, Monroeville and Pickers and that local stuff was the better than Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh, a lot of rough driving. If anybody's ever been to Pittsburgh, a lot of traffic, kind of crazy driving, stuff like that. So let's hop into the reviews and the first one up is going to be the executioner collection now these are sunny chiba flicks um actually directed by teru ishii which is really crazy for uh let's do the first one the execution 1974 teru ishii is uh, a director that's known in the horror group because he did stuff like horrors of the malformed men and the, a series that like he did a bunch of the series of joys of torture you know shogun you know um uh, what is it split oxen those movies that are from the 60s and 70s the japanese kind of anthology films the arrow put out a handful of them that are basically like these weird torture kind of style films and they have these crazy openings so he also did uh, Blind Woman's Curse from 1970 a really good film so he's he's more oriented or, or kind of in the horror genre so him doing kind of like this action kind of almost like silly at times movie is pretty pretty strange for him. Obviously, if you guys know anything about like Japanese cinema and studios like Toei and Toho, basically a lot of times you're a gun for hire, you're a director, and they kind of have you in contract, you know, and you kind of do what they tell you to do, and you just do it. And so he's kind of put in to make this movie with Sonny Chiba and a couple other familiar character actor types, you know. They look very familiar, especially the mean guy. And this one is a ragtag kind of group movie, which I really enjoy these. Um, so essentially what we have is Sonny Chiba is like some Somebody who's tra- been trained like, you know, ridiculous, the typical training montages you see in a lot of, you know, Shaw Brothers films in the very beginning or, you know, Americanized like Karate Kid, whatever, right? So he learns this uh, very agent technique and he's kind of brought along with two other guys that are kind of these wild, crazy characters. One who's basically a moron, wannabe ladies man, and others are like a really stone cold, mean looking guy. Um, you kind of, he has a great uh, introduction to his, his moment. He's like playing as an assassin and somebody offers him more money to kill him. I don't want to explain explain everything like that but that's a great opening a great scene to set who this guy is so these three are basically hired to shut down the like japanese like uh drug cartel that's being funded by the you know, american mafia see now basically what it is it's it's this disgraced cop that's kind of controlling the whole thing and he can't really do it anymore so he's kind of like doing it behind the scenes so these three are basically kind of going to infiltrate and destroy this entire drug ring but what's really cool like a lot of you know like the street fighter with sunny chiba or the sister street fighter films there's a group of uh you know bad guys there's a 
bunch of like a rogues gallery of these weird bad guys and villains that all have different styles and different kind of fighting techniques. Also, the Shaw Brothers movies have a lot of those those kung fu movies. They all have these kind of bad guys from other different countries or they're dressed in different styles. So essentially, when like kind of do this to stop the drug cartel, they run into a bunch of different people, a bunch of different villains, and they have these elaborate fight scenes, all three of them. And there's like slapstick stuff because because these three guys have you know obviously contracting person contract contracting personality, so they're uh, constantly at each other's throats, a lot of jokes, a lot of laughs. Uh, Sonny Chiba's really good in it. Um, in fact, the whole main cast is really charming and fun in it, and it's very enjoyable. As far as the special features are concerned on the first film, what is this little audio thing? Brand new audio commentary by Chris Palaggi and Mark Walco. And that seemed very interesting. They kind of dive into it. Very very good experts on the subject. And then we have a Sonny Chiba Karate King, a 30-minute featurette in the legendary Sonny Chiba featuring Grady Hendrix, Tom Mex, Chris Palaggi, Marco Yakim, and uh, Sancho Eno from the band Guitar Wolf. If anybody knows, Guitar Wolf is basically in Wild which is a really fun Japanese zombie kind of crazy film. But they talk about his career and how initially he wasn't in these kind of action films, these kung fu karate films. He was in other stuff beforehand and all this and how he had the you know the renaissance later on in his career. So that's pretty cool. Um, anyways, this is a really cool film. And it has some memorable fight scenes that I remember. Eyes bulging, some gore. Obviously with Hiro Ishii, that's going to happen. So this one's really cool and entertaining. Um, yeah, so I'd recommend The Executioner. It looks good. It sounds good. You can watch it in English or in Japanese. So that's also a plus. I know a lot of these movies people have seen in Japanese originally or English, probably originally dubbed over in the States. So the second one here is The Executioner 2, Karate Inferno. Now, I guess the first one was such a hit that they kind of rushed to the sequel and hired Teruzu Ishii to do it again. Same year as the first one, 1974, the same cast comes back. All of them, pretty much the five main players in the original, the guy who hires them, the girl who sets everything up, and the three kind of people that we're familiar with from the first film, including Sonny Chiba. So they all went their separate ways, and they've been living their lives after this big drug cartel run-in. But hey, the mafia is still out there. But there's more to meets the eye. What's basically happening here is there's an insurance company that hires this group to kind of figure out what happened to their this jewelry what was stolen it's like it's a reinsured for like one billion it was stolen along with a kidnapping these guys are hired to get it and of course nothing is as it seems there's double crossing there's rich people lying there's all sorts of things and the whole movie is about double crossing this one is more of like a comedy of errors there's less action there's less kind of like you know like those bits of like danger doesn't feel very dangerous at all it's very lighthearted and silly and goofy now there's some fun stunts of course but it's more like definitely in the adventure category than the action gore category until like the last 10 minutes or so and then we pick up and we have like shooting we have this great rooftop battle of people getting chucked off the roof and just violence and shooting and stuff and it feels a little out of place for this because the movie's kind of really tame and goofy and silly in comparison to the first film i mean the first film does have its moments but the second one almost becomes like a lighthearted farce where they had like almost like they're trying to do like a television show with this like a these three characters kind of like having these re these misadventures all the time and this one just doesn't land as well as the first one it's pretty cool but for a movie called uh, executioner 2 karate inferno there's a whole lot of not execution going on and it's not really that much of a karate inferno but it's an all right film and it's nice to have the sequels together regardless it's a nice package sunny chiba is, uh, is an awesome looking character you know and a martial artist kind of style the you know action star and i enjoy him he's got he's got a nice chiseled look and the bat the all the characters are really fun there's like more goofiness and you know on pc humor humor that's dated i don't even call it that but you know like ugly wife kind of stuff you know typical typical humor from like you know anywhere 
before 2005 right is there but anyways the executioner from arrow i would recommend checking these out if you're interested the first one especially so yeah you know what instead of dumping jump ugh, instead of dumping instead of jumping into the 2022 releases i'm just going to do the patreon pick right off the bat and I, I can't remember who picked this one tom brooker it sounds like a tom brooker pick i know what he does and this is from like 2008 and this is from the uh, dimension extreme line and this is tranquil tranquilicist and you know ventriloquist is easy but triloquist is such a weird word to say because it's not really a word they're just shortening ventriloquist so basically this is by the director mark jones that's his name um is that mark jones i think that's his name mark jones it's the director of the original leprechaun and rumple stillskin so this is about a dummy you know uh which is weird you know you kind of catch this guy's mo he did leprechaun one in like 92 or something he did you know rumple stillskin in the mid 90s and now he does uh triloquist in 2008 now this definitely has the flair of like 2008 it's heavily inspired by like stuff like Devil's Rejects or those kind of like ex- extreme weird kind of silly films. It does feel cheap. Like it's kind of strange, you know, it feels very cheap and very like kind of purposely like hammy acting in a lot of ways and self-aware kind of style, almost in a vein of something like um, Satan's Little Helper, like just this bizarre sense of humor and on PC nonsense and goofiness. And now it is a little cheap looking and I said a little bit like oh what is going on here acting is purposely kind of patchy I would imagine I feel like everyone's in on the joke but the movie does have its own sense of charm so essentially what we have here is a brother and sister whose mother kills themselves so they come from a long line of ventriloquist basically they're left with the dummy the dummy seems to have magic power the family's always talking about magic and the way they handle this it seems that most of the time the dummy's doing its own thing and moving around but a lot of people when they're watching it's doing things but when people are murdered by the dummy and by the family it seems like they're you know is definitely something supernatural but of course you know it is you know unreliable there whatever they want to do but there's a lot of weird stuff going on with this film Basically, I would say that the person who steals the show is his sister. She has all the most ridiculous, best lines, lots of crazy on PC shit because she's like this really sexually active young girl who seduces men and then like also says ridiculous things. There's points when she's like chomping on these chili dogs and she starts talking to these cops even though they're in a stolen car with somebody kidnapped in a bag and all sorts of stuff like that. Where like it's just she's always pushing the buttons and everything and they're like pitting the dummies always saying things about her and the brother is uh you know completely silent and there's just a lot of funny moments where she like pins all the things on the brother which really works well um yeah this one is is short it's 80 minutes long it kind of trucks along and it's weird kind of fever dream state of insanity and goofiness and bizarreness like i don't even know where to go about this there is it is kind of oversex too i wouldn't say like it's super like you know like a bunch of sexies but there's a lot of nudity in here and it seems like hey we'll get some nudity in for the crowd it's a bizarre film now, do I 100% love it? I do enjoy it. I think it's goofy, but I think it does have some flaws. Most of that is in the budget and just the way it's made in like 2008 and the stuff and the techniques and what it's inspired by. It's definitely very much a product of its time, as probably a lot of the Dimension Extreme line is. Now, I remember a bunch of these. There's, I'm looking at my shelf right now. We had 13 Game of Death, Automan Transfusion, Black Sheep, Broken, Buried Alive, Dead in Three Days, Eden Lake, Feast 2 and 3, Inside, Killing Gene, Mother of Tears, Nightmare Detective, um, Rogue, Steel Trap, Storm Warning, Teeth, Welcome to the Jungle, Wizard of Gore, Unrated, Zombie Diaries, and there was a slew of other ones that I do not have, but that's one along with Triloquist. Uh, but uh, if this sounds like it's up your alley, I would recommend it. It's very bizarre, very goofy, very strange, very, very silly. 
Okay, let's get into the 2022 movies. And to be brutally honest, a lot of these newer ones, I don't have as much to say for fear of spoilers. Or some of them, you know, they're good, they're fine. But I don't have, like, these in-depth reviews for them. The first one up is a Salam, I believe is how you'd say it. Probably mispronounced. It's on Shudder. And this one I had heard some buzz about. A lot of people were saying it's kind of in a Western style. So basically what we have here is these three mercenaries. And we're during this, like, violent conflict where these three guys are kind of going about. And they're they're basically mercenaries hired by, the you know, the, the person with the biggest wallet. And what they're doing is during this like turmoil in these third world countries, they're trying to get this drug trafficker out and deliver him to the drug cartel for a ridiculous amount of money. But on the way there, they're all three of them have their own kind of unique things about them. One is kind of like a magic, you know, kind of like um, uses potions and dust and stuff. And one's like a big strong guy. And one is just like kind of like the leader level headed type. So these three are kind of the, the mercenaries and they have, they're kind of carrying this, uh, this drug kind of guy, this drug pusher, this big kind of like cartel leader to deliver him to the cartel so he doesn't get arrested by the cops or whatever and uh whatnot so they're playing they have there's something wrong with their plane when they're trying to escape there's a lot of damages so they have to land in this weird kind of isolated village and the village is ran by this strange guy and there's a lot of strange characters there one of which is deaf that has like a secret and all these people have little secrets and and things like that and what you find out is that some of these people have a past with some of the other characters and it's all going to intermingle and about the halfway mark we realize that this is not necessarily kind of like a crime mercenary war film this is more so kind of like a horror supernatural element going on and it's kind of like a survival you know um siege movie in a lot of ways and it's decent it's solid there's some fun action there's some cool concepts and the idea that it takes place in a lot of geographical locations that are not too you know uh similar they're not very similar or we're not you know a lot of westernized audience aren't used to this especially seeing them in film and especially seeing a lot of the kind of characters what countries they're from and dealing with a lot of you know uh horrible war acts and war crimes and things like that i mean there's plenty of horror to be made from those i mean there's so many countries that are constant conflict or war crimes there's just tons and tons of it so like seeing this was pretty cool in a lot of aspects and i i like the villain or the main like kind of antagonist I don't want to spoil exactly what's going on there, but I thought that was pretty neat and pretty cool. Um, the characters are fairly solid. The intermingling between the characters is nice. It's in a kind of nice location, so that's all going for it. It's on Shutter. I say give it a, give it a watch. If you're in 15, 20 minutes, it's not your thing, then tune out. But I think it's worth maybe checking out. I think a lot of people will enjoy it a little bit more than I did. I did like it though. It's pretty cool. Okay, the next one is another Shutter film, and this is The Spine of Night. Now, like I said, this is horror Jason. It's not really horror. It's more like a fantasy kind of medieval kind of style thing, Dungeons and Dragons style. So horror Jason, if you will. So um, it's animated, and it's kind of done in like the rotoscoping, which is an old school thing like heavy metal, if I'm not mistaken, or rock and roll. I don't want to, you know, animation is not my strong point. It's not my forte, although I do like it. So The Spine of Night, I popped this in, and I was watching it, and I was immediately hooked. It kind of has like this story of like this woman that like worships like this this uh i don't even know the bloom and the bloom is kind of the livelihood of mother nature in a lot of ways but we learn later what this is and it's way more important than that way more in depth than that it's really awesome so essentially what we have here is she is brought in by this evil king played by Patton oswald lucy lawless actually plays the barbarian woman which is perfect and uh, Patton oswald as this disgruntled kind of like king or lord is great as well so basically he wants to burn the bloom and everything like that and take it for himself and whatnot but we also have this, you know, scholar who shows up. And, you know, like I say, knowledge is power and power is all consuming, right? So basically what we have here is people double crossing it. And we end up with a scholar who has this ridiculous amount of power within the bloom. And it kind of consumes him and he decides to do this rampage. He becomes one of the great villains of the year. He is terrifying. He is awesome. He has wonderful lines. Although a bit predictable, they are dead on perfect. You know, he has like a Skeletor or an Emperor vibe going on, just like that absolute absolute 
power-consuming moment. He's basically like when Skeletor in Master Universe 1987 gets like the golden, the gold eyes. Like, I can feel the universe flowing through me. He's basically like that all the time with his glowing blue eyes. But there's these great set pieces here where like uh, uh, one of the scholars, uh, young, the lower than him, gets like taken over a different, and he just like completely goes ballistic. It's very gory. The battle scenes acted are really strong and really violent, and they seem fairly realistic. And you'll have characters that are very strong and they're very tough, and they'll go through like three or four do these feats of amazing strength and violence and agility and kill a bunch of people and you're like oh they're untou- untouchable and then they'll get fucked up and die and you're like oh shit you know it's like it, everything feels even like the gods and the powerful people of the universe feel like they can be hurt they feel like there is you know a grounded level to the fantasy which I really liked I love the music I love the score I love the acting Richard E. Grant is in here you know from Hudson Hawk Mayflower um, he plays one of the Mayflowers he's in a bunch of movies Gossip, Gosford Park so he plays like the voice of the old guardian who's supposed to guard the bloom and all this kind of stuff and he, it's basically the whole story is being told by lucy lawless and richard grant like they're going back and forth richard e grant telling the whole story of everything and we get the backstory of how the bloom is created which is wonderful and it's just such a rich mythology and the ending is great i love the ending i love the you know the characters it's just perfect it's an awesome medieval epic film it's one of my favorite movies i watched this year i'd really recommend the spine of the night this is really good stuff um on shutter highly recommended if you're a dungeons and dragons fan if you're a role-playing fan if you're a, a medieval fantasy fan or anything like that i think you'll eat this up i think it's perfect okay the next one is speak no evil now i can't remember exactly what country this is from scandinavian it deals with dutch and danish people so essentially this one i've heard a lot of buzz about it's on shutter and some people are making jokes like dave's gonna hate this movie dave's gonna hate this movie because the movie coming home in the dark i felt like it was just unrealistic i felt like it depicted human beings inaccurately and stuff like that it just bothered me and there was a whole joke about it on 22 shots where i was just like it doesn't make any sense to me i just don't buy it um now this one i don't have the same problem with speak no evil eventually uh it kind of follows the story of two couples and they meet in an alien vacation and like they kind of hit it off and then one day they get this note the 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 couple the kind of more subdued couple and their and their daughter hey come come with us in our country and and hang out for a bit so they end up deciding to go reluctantly the husband seems to be want to live more outgoing and you see like this idea that these two the husband and wife here are more you know subdued and the the wife's very kind of uptight more so than the husband and they go here and they expect you know this family is nice and everything but they're different and it's definitely a, a clash of um, uh, basically cultures. But I will say this, and they make jokes about their culture being more similar to other than other cultures' similarities and stuff like that. And I've heard other people like Duncan McLeish on Podcast Under Stairs talked about this, and he said it's kind of a movie about you know manners and manners and being polite, how much that can get you in trouble and how far it can go. And if you give somebody an inch, they'll take a mile. And, and that kind of starts to happen here. And at first, it doesn't seem right. You know, the, they're vegetarians, but they keep serving meat and they take them places they don't want to go and they're more affectionate in public. And some of the stuff you think, oh, it's mistakes or it's not that big of a deal here or there. But as it progresses, things get completely out of hand until something is, you know, is obviously found out. And when that when that reveal happens, things get very scary. Now, the problem I don't have with this movie is that there's certain people that are alive is why other people are listening to what other characters are saying, if that makes any sense. There is a sense of leverage, although it does seem a little far-fetched at the very, very end of these people doing that. But 
way it happened, the way it unfolded, the way it was done seems a little bit more realistic than the other film, if that makes any sense. It, it just the way the characters would be beaten down and react the way they do, although there is still some leverage over their head, which makes sense to me. But anyways, it's a very bleak, a very dark, a very, you know, people under the stairs kind of style story in some ways, which you don't really expect. It's well shot. It's well acted. It's very uncomfortable. I would recommend checking this out. I think a lot of people will love this. I think it's a great movie. Um, it's just not something that would make my personal top 10, but I do objectively think it's a very strong film. And I do see this making a lot of people's top 10. Speak no evil. Good stuff on Shudder. Really recommend it. Okay, the next up I uh, is Piggy. So Piggy is from Magnet Magnolia. This is a new one as well. And it is a Spanish film. And uh, you know, if anybody follows Elric Kane, he does, you know, uh, All Colors of the Dark podcast. And he said this is basically uh, Fat Girl meets High Tension. And I wouldn't disagree with that. If anybody's ever seen the French film Fat Girl or, you know, the French extreme film High Tension, they both are very very dark subjects, especially fat girl. And I could see this. So what we follow is this overweight girl in this like Spanish village where her, her father and her mother and her little brother, they all little brothers work there, but they all work in this like butcher shop, this like this place like that. And a lot of people don't really visit there. And she's really overweight, like extremely overweight. Her whole family is overweight. You know, it's kind of seems like a lifestyle for them in a lot of ways. And essentially she's always picked on, you know, there's a group of kids like her age, her contemporaries that always mess with her. There's one that's kind of friendly with her, kind of not. Not that uh, they used to be kind of like, you seem like they used to be on better terms than they were and maybe her friends guilted her into being nice, that kind of thing. So one day she goes to the swimming pool, which is, a str- I love how the swimming pools laid out. I love all the small villages and how it looks and everything like that. It's gorgeous. It's a really great location. And uh, it's, it's well shot, well shot and well acted and everything like that. And the, the relationship that the I say Piggy, Sarah, the character has with her mom and her dad and her brother is really unique and really different and just like really dark. And you can just feel really bad for Sarah because the way she's treated by every individual in this town, the way people look at her, the way her just her life is in general. So one day she's swimming. And she like kind of passes this strange gentleman that you've seen a little bit earlier. He's in the pool. Maybe this is his first appearance. But basically, she is picked on immensely in this really horrific way. And I don't want to spoil everything, but somebody that doesn't normally belong to this town that's kind of messed up and witnesses it, and he takes a liking to Sarah. And this this creates this weird relationship between this monster character and, and Sarah, who has a lot of these problems and a lot of animosity towards her family and these people in the village who pick on her. We have this guy who obviously is a damaged murderer, and he has this affection for Sarah. So it creates this weird relationship in the most fucked up way. Now, when the violence is there, it's pretty violent, um, and, and I just think it works really well. I think this is a really strong film. I think it's pretty good. I think it's actually one of my favorites of the year, top 15 for sure. I just thought it worked really well. I thought the story was really strong, how it unfolded, the acting, the relationships between all the characters is really well done. Um, and and everything about it, I think that it ends in a really nice area. But I think that the first half is a stronger film. I think it's just a stronger film. I think that there's a lot of suspense. I think that there's a lot of good characters, like I said. And I think that the way things unfold, and you really don't know what Sarah's going to do. And it's a, it's a really tragic story. It's a really sad story when you look at it in a lot of ways. That the idea that the person who's the nicest to you is a violent killer. That the person who might have been the best to you and the sweetest to you is, in fact, a monster. But in a lot of ways, they add that soft side to them. Um, anyways, Piggy, I'd really recommend checking it out. I'm sure if this sounds like it's up your alley, if you're into the French extreme films, although this is Spanish, I think that you will find some, some, some time for it. I thought it was quite good, actually. So it's Piggy. I know this has been kind of like a short week and everything. It's not a huge week for me because there's just not much, you know, I was out of town a lot. So the next one up, I apologize, that is the hat. 
Hatching. So this is Hatching. I believe it's on Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. And this is a, is it a German film? I, I'm going to get it all mixed up. I can't 100% say. But you know what? So basically what we have here is this picturesque family where we have a mother, a father, a son, a daughter. And we kind of follow the daughter around. She's in gymnastics. Her mother obviously is pushing her to be in gymnastics. And right in the beginning, we have one of these mothers who like, you know, films her family all the time and everything has to be this perfect, wonderful, you know, uh, you know, picturesque family. But in reality, you can, you can obviously see underneath the levels that it's not really there. And this is really interesting to me to watch this one because I've been listening to podcasts, some, something underneath. And, and at one point they covered like all these like parents who do that to their families and their kids and they exploit their kids to make a lot of money. And, and then like, basically there's a lot of perverts watching it and they're just like pushing their kids to extreme levels, filming their emotions. And, you know, it's kind of like the line of cannibal Holocaust. How would you like somebody to make money off your misery? Right. And that's kind of, here's what's happening, but it's fucked up because it's your parents and you really don't have a say in it because you're underage. So it's kind of like, she's just filming constantly putting the pressure and nothing's ever good enough for the mother. Although she has this fake smile on her face and like, it, it seems like this perfect family, but in reality, she has like somebody on the side and another kid on the side. So one day there's this, uh, they're filming a segment and this, this black crow flies in. Allison causes a ridiculous amount of damage. It seems a little injured and the mother kills it or you, so you think. And then that night, the daughter realizes, you know, that the crow had crawled out from the garbage and has wandered into the woods and it's crawled next to an egg and it's struggling. And she takes pity on the creature and destroys it um, pretty violently. But she can't leave the egg by itself. So she starts to nurture this egg. And, of course, we have this weird kind of doppelganger story, this weird kind of, you know, a story where there's this little creature that is partially connected to you in a lot of ways, right? That this creature, you know, if you're hurt, it'll lash out on the person that hurt you. Think the brood, right? But it also has the idea of what was that Der Nightmare, the German film where we had that little creature that's out and about and can people see it or not? And you kind of start to get this weird kind of head game as the bird thing, it grows and it grows and it grows. It starts to look more and more human as the film progresses while it starts to lash out on people that possibly hurt her or possibly are, are affecting her you know, her station in life. So it's a pretty interesting film. It's well made. It's well shot. Um, and it's really dark. The ending is really dark, kind of surprisingly dark. But this is a good film. I think most people will enjoy the hatching. I think it's definitely worth watching and I would recommend it. But it's a story that we have seen. It does have some unique touches and flares about it. And I like the element of adding in that parent, you know, those parents that are filming and exploiting their families. So a lot of people can you know get views and get this fake bullshit you know uh, status that they don't have okay the next one up from 2022 is you won't be alone now this one was getting a lot of rave reviews and i can see why it's gorgeously shot it's probably one of the best shot movies i've seen this year it's on film if i'm not mistaken i feel like it is on film it's in it's in full screen or box screen what everybody calls it it's in uh, full screen i believe it's on film it's a gorgeous looking movie i can't think what country exactly it's from it's a it's a period piece as well and what we have here is early in the very beginning of the movie, we have this woman, her newborn child is taken um, by this skinless, this, this skinless witch, this very burnt witch. And she says, listen, and she said, pleads and pleads and pleads and says, please let me have my daughter until she's 16. And the witch agrees to a certain point, but marks her with a special mark. And this obviously does something to her. But when the time comes, the witch shows up and the witch has this unique power where she can, you know, take something from someone and become them like she can turn into them by like kind of destroying them and whatnot and she can also kind of pass on her her thing that she has they call her what do they call her wolf eater the villagers will call this person like a wolf eater so basically essentially what we have here is this young girl is taken in by this witch when she's 16 and she doesn't really have a look at life because she was hidden she doesn't understand anything and um as the witch teaches her her ways you know these ways of survival with eating like animals or anything like 
like that and kind of like taking over and like having the, the, to intermingle with these people, even if it means killing some of them to become them for a short period of time. So basically at one point, you know, her sweetness, her, her on desire to kill upsets the witch and the witch tells her to leave. So she kind of has to go fend for herself. And we kind of have, you know, those kind of weird stories where like you have like kind of a person that's an outsider in a lot of ways, kind of like intermingling into society and learning about humans through becoming like, or having to act like humans and see how they're treated through the, you know, the, the, I, you know, the eyes of another person, you know, seeing that kind of like under the skin or hard to be a God, these kind of weird stories where you're traveling around and seeing a lot of things. It does remind me, it's more like under the skin, but it does feel like hard to be a God or, um, what was the one, um, the black, the black bird or something along those lines. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it was a very strange film. Eureka put it out and it was a really good one too. It had Udai Kier in it and it was the uh, the painted bird. We're like, he's just kind of like traveling across and being all these different people and meeting all these different characters. So what happens is this, this, this girl starts to learn humanity through being a man, through being a woman, through all these kind of things. And, and through that, we also learn the story of the witch, how she became burnt, who she was. And we also learn that, you know, sometimes it's not always a nurture and nature thing. It's it just, I, you know, it's just weird. I don't want to say which one it is, but sometimes it's easier for people to be accepted or to adapt than other people. And it's just like, what is the question? Why? Maybe, maybe there's good nature in some and not as good nature in others, or it is what it is. Right. Um, and, and it's just a unique little thing there. And she maybe had learned something about humanity more than the, the original witch had, but, uh, yeah, it's a well shot, well-made movie. It has a lot of good camera angles. It's a beautiful looking movie, a beautiful location. It says a lot of things. This one is a movie that I think most people with, uh, you know, like I love artistic or artsy films will dig. I liked it. It's not, it's not something that I'll go back to very often. I don't think that's the problem with it. You know, I prefer under the skin. Um, but this one I think could, you know, um, you really be on people's top 10. It's uh, you won't be alone. I rented this on uh, Amazon. Yeah. And it's in 4k. So it looks really strong. So if it sounds like it's up your alley, check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed, honestly. Okay. Questions and answers and comments. Ken Coakley, hope you have a great Christmas and have a healthy, prosperous, uh, prosperous. I don't know why that word is tongue tying me today. New, New Year. I spent Christmas watching weird Christmas movies as well as the original Black Christmas, which Elvis loved so much that he owned a 35mm print of the film. Very cool. Anyways, this is regarding what sports movie you should watch. Rollerball or Slapshot, they're both great films, but very different for each other. Slapshot is a laugh riot and makes me nostalgic for the days when hockey was a tough guy sport with lots of fights. I watched this every year when my beloved Boston Bruins lost in the playoffs. Rollerball, on the other hand, is a dark and thought-provoking. James Conn is great in the movie. Another sports film I recommend is 1973 baseball drama called Bang the drum slowly. It's about the relationship between a dying catcher played by Robert De Niro and his friend and teammate played by Larry Cohen mainstay, Michael Moriarty. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeff, 1999. I hope 2023 is the best year yet. Thank you for all the work you put into your channel. Your videos are a bright spot in these strange and depressing times we live in. Taken by Madness, dang, you're very knowledgeable about films, actors, and directors. I enjoy your content and podcast. Mm, Jay, happy holidays. The Innocence is probably my favorite horror film of the year. Very cool. Travis Linscombe, happy holidays, Dave. I hope you have a good time off. Thank you. David Leather, thing I find amazing about Strickland is that you are, are you are watch it. You must keep in mind that life is stranger than fiction and that there are mirrors he's trying to hold up to give us the ind uh, indication. Um, got to go. Just shit myself. Yeah, his films are strange. I don't think they're bad. It's just sometimes I miss the mark on them. Ten Room Bizarro, love you, Mr. Parka. How has your hearing been? You are an inspiration. You're an inspirational man. Thank you very much, Ten Bizarro Room. Um, if you don't know, he does a podcast. I mean, he does uh, YouTube views, reviews as well, and he loves films. He's a very nice, sweet guy. My hearing has been, you know, iffy. I've kind of ignored, learned to ignore it and live with it, so... 
Christopher Muller, Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy New Year to you and yours. You're awesome, and I've been watching you for years. Keep up the great work, Dave. Thank you. Scott S. Jackie Chan went to martial arts school where he learned the art of com- uh, comical choreograph choreographing according to the documentary I watched. Very cool. Martine VP, Merry Christmas and Happy 2023. Ken Kogli, I hope you have a great Christmas and have a healthy... Oh, uh, he already posted that. And he says, a little Christmas horror fun fact. Elvis Presley's favorite um, film was Black Christmas. Okay, I think we already I already did that one. Petri Lambala. By the way, have you seen The Innocence from 1961? I think it's my favorite horror film of all time. It's a great film. Yeah, I covered that on here. David Leather just puts a little muscle thing. And Jesse Bard, if you liked My Man Godfrey, you should try watching the Man series, uh, Thin Man series with William Powell and Mira Lowy. Their characters later to be parodied in a Murder by Death by David Niven and Dame Maggie Smith. Sounds very cool. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to get into the update here because it's rather small. It's not a huge update. Just a couple titles here. Um, first and foremost for um, Christmas, someone was nice enough. Um, actually, Jeremy got me this, and it is uh, The Running Man on 4K, The Steel Book. I absolutely adore The Running Man, if, if you guys don't know. It's one of my favorite Arnold movie, if not, you know, I think it is. Um, love, the, love the source material, too, even though it's not very similar, but this is a great film. Adore it, The Running Man. Next up is Smile. Uh, yeah, uh, 4K is Smile. I thought this was a really good movie. Um, I definitely want to revisit it. Pretty scary stuff for, like, you know, mainstream kind of horror film. I know people are like, oh, I don't like to jump scare. Whatever. I thought it was really good for what it was. And last up is another movie that I was pretty crazy, Terrifier 2. This is the 4K, the Best Buy exclusive. Another kind of crazy, intense, gory movie that surprisingly made it to theaters. All three, I think, are definitely worth watching, of course, and especially The Running Man, of course. Ben Richards. Uh, I put my money on Ben Richards. Uh, he's one mean motherfucker, of course, right? Anyways, Terrifier 2. So, you know, yeah, anyways, let's get out of here. Uh, man, we're going to cut to that weird thing I do every single video. Okay, guys, thank you very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Me.